0: Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. 15 minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will
1: Welcome to Text mind. Talk. You're Edwin. And I am Jackson.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I needed the reminder.
1: Welcome to our program today. We're continuing our study of Acts chapter 19 this week. Brother Edwin. Brozier, as I like to say. What is our text today?
0: (laughs) I have no idea anymore now that you just called me Brozier. (laughs) We're going to read Acts chapter 19, verses 21 through 34. I am reading from the English Standard Version. Now, after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome and having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way, for a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades, and said, Men, When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! So the city was filled with the confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now, Some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion and most of them didn't know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward, and Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours, they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Ephesians, Jackson, tell me what you know about Artemis of the Ephesians.
1: So I hope you'll forgive me for saying this, but um, that was a very dramatic reading, very theatrical. <laughs> have you ever considered doing like bedtime Bible stories or something to that nature? I bet you would have
0: multitudes of listeners on that. <laughs> Okay, wow. (laughs) So sorry. I just had to do that. That is is so funny. Some of you will get that. Yes. Okay, Jackson, tell me about Artemis of the Ephesians. Artemis
1: of the Ephesians, yes. So not to be mistaken with Artemis of the Greeks because not exactly the same thing.
0: Okay, tell me about that. So
1: Artemis we have this idea of Artemis as the huntress and Diana and things like that. But it was much bigger than that for the people of the Ephesians. In fact, her temple that was stationed there in Ephesus was actually one of the seven wonders of the world. And so this was a big deal. You know, she was everything to them. You know, from fertility to agriculture, everything, they looked to Artemis um, for leadership, for counsel. Uh, She was kind of this matron goddess. I believe you used the word earlier, Deatrice. Uh, We don't even (laughs) know if that's a real term or not but it should be all encapsulated
0: diatris yeah yes
1: so this was a big deal for the
0: ephesians she was
1: yeah trademark excellent fantastic
0: (laughs) okay so yeah this big deal for the ephesians it is a little different she is a little different i'm glad you you've picked up on that about it sometimes we we come to this i know for the longest time when i read about artemis i assumed this was exactly the same as the artemis of the greeks or diana of the romans i think i'm getting that uh, the nationalities correct there on those two different names uh, that, that I learned about in high school when I would study Greek and Roman mythology, and it's not quite the same. What, what the Greeks and the Romans did was fold into their pantheon this goddess that really already had prevalence in asia in ephesus when the greeks and the romans came in so a little bit different here uh, a very special thing the idea apparently at some point was uh, a meteor had landed and so they referred to this as as a star that had fallen from the sky and so that's that's one of the things that is brought up here in this chapter that we're going to we're going to hear about from the town clerk We'll, we'll read that part tomorrow and talk about him but so we've got this worship. We've got the the temple of Artemis there, the Artemisium, I think it's called. Andrew's the real expert on Artemis. Unfortunately, he can't be here with us today. Appreciate you sitting in with uh, with us on this one and and giving such a great description of what's happening here with Artemis. Here's the thing I really want to get to. So having that little background on what's going on with Artemis and the, how important she was to the Ephesians. We can understand why that would cause a riot in Ephesus, but did you notice? Here's the thing, and it's real easy to overlook this. They spend two hours shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians, but that's not actually why there's a riot going on. Did you pick up why there's a riot going on here?
1: Yeah, I believe so. And it kind of all centers around this man named Demetrius, uh, the silversmith here in, uh, in Ephesus. And What happened was is that as there's preaching and there's attention to the gospel, that is drawing attention away from Demetrius' business, and it's going to hurt his wallet. Um, And so there is this uprising of the crowd shouting, great is Artemis. But that's really, I believe, just a front, wouldn't you say?
0: Well, from Demetrius it is, for sure. I I think they really get some people upset about this, but it doesn't get started by that. The people in Asia are not getting freaked out just because Paul is going around teaching. It actually takes somebody getting them built up, uh, fomenting some unrest here. But what started it was really not, hey we've been listening to this guy preach and he thinks artemis is not really a god what gets it started is you've got the silversmith and here's here's what would be happening with this silversmith have you ever been like to the washington monument or the lincoln memorial or any of the the grand canyon you ever been any place special jackson no well that just totally ruins my illustration uh if you go to some places with monuments or you go to Grand Canyon or you go to Yosemite Park or, or any of these state parks or especially national parks, what what you'll find is a gift store. Have you ever been to Disney? You grew up here in, in Florida, right?
1: Yes, that's correct. You've, I've been to Disney one time. You've been
0: to Disney. Okay, so you've been into a gift store. Correct. And in the gift store, you always have the little knickknacks. Yeah. You, you, you've got the, the magnet that you can put on your fridge of Cinderella's castle. Right. Or you you've got that's really what these silver shrines are is that idea. Like if you went to the Washington Monument or the Lincoln Memorial, they'll you'll actually be able to go into a gift store and you'll be able to find a little replica of that that you might take home because you really loved that place. And you set it on your coffee table or you put it on your mantle. We might put a magnet on it, shove it to your refrigerator. It's kind of that same thing. But of course, for them. For us, it's just kind of remembering our trip. For them, it was about worship.
1: Yeah, it was a religious thing.
0: For them, it was about worship. So they had this little strength. So this is what he's doing as a silversmith. He is he is uh, crafting these little memorials, these little monuments to Artemis of the Ephesians, crafting those so that folks can come in and buy them and go out all over Asia as the as all of these Asians looked to, as you said, Seven Wonders of the World, they looked to Ephesus as kind of this lead in this worship, and all of that was going out. Now Demetrius is finding that the gospel is impacting people all over Asia, which means not only are folks in Ephesus not buying his little shrines anymore, the Asians who are coming in, there are fewer of them that are coming to Ephesus in order to buy these little shrines, and carry them home and use them in their own personal family time of worship toward Artemis. And so he's losing money. What what actually prompted this persecution? Demetrius is losing money. And he gets together other metalsmiths, other people who are making money from the worship of Artemis. He gets them upset. And then they start getting the people upset. And d- did you catch that? Even in there, some of the people that got upset. They didn't really know why they were upset.
1: Right. They didn't even know why they had come together there.
0: Yeah. But we're gonna chant, "Great is Artemis of the Ephesians." Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Look, she's our team. You know, that's I, I'm Team Artemis. And so if you're if we're gonna be yeah, count me in. I'm gonna be running around shouting, "Great is Artemis." But what prompted the persecution? You've, you've impacted my wallet really bringing all this together, Jackson. What I want us to see is so often what is listed as the reason and stated as the reason for why I'm opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ or to the teachers of the gospel, they're just smoke screens. They're just red herrings. They're just things to distract us from what's really growing, going on. Because if Demetrius had gotten them shouting, poor is Demetrius the silversmith, poor is Demetrius, nobody's going to get behind that. It's a smokescreen. It's a smokescreen. And here's what we need to know about persecution. One of the questions we ask over and over again, especially as we've gone through Acts, is why is it when these Christians, and I get it, Christians don't always act the way they're supposed to, but we've been studying the Beatitudes in another venue. We look at folks who are poor in spirit, folks who are meek, who are peacemakers, who are pure in heart, but that that whole list ends with blessed are the persecuted. How do you take a Beatitude-type person and and that's the person that gets persecuted. It is shocking to us. Here we see part of the reason is because even though I'm poor in spirit and even though I am pure in heart and even though I am hungering and thirsting for righteousness, there are things that I have to say like God's made by hands aren't God's at all. And that's going to impact somebody's livelihood. There's some relationships I have to say, look, that's not a righteous relationship. And that impacts people where they live. There's some activities I have to say, look, that's that's not righteous. That's not pure. We got to stay away from that. And that impacts people where they are. And it's upsetting. And that's where it generates. But then when they get into the persecution, any reason will do. We'll list any reason that we can get people on our side with. And that's what happens. I feel like you're wanting to say something there, Jackson. You're just waiting patiently for me to shut up. Go ahead.
1: No, all good, brother. So um, this idea you were talking about, when, basically what you're saying is is that the gospel is going to affect people's lives. It's going to affect where they stand spiritually. And I think you can see that not just here. You can see that all throughout the book of Acts, and then, of course, you can see it in the Gospels. When Jesus, when he, was, when he was doing these teachings and he was preaching to these people, it was hard to accept. It's not that it's necessarily a hard concept. It's the fact that we have to recognize that we're going to be affected by this change. And I think that's really where a lot of the closed-mindedness and the hardness of hearts comes from from the pharisees and the sadducees and from the jews and from these um these silversmiths and situations like this is that it is affecting Their normal way of life and they're forced to change or at least they have to recognize that this is a teaching that's contrary to what they're comfortable with what they support and like you said team artemis or what their way of life is
0: it hits me where i live when i'm giving my allegiance to someone as king or in this case as queen as they were doing with Artemis. It hits me where I live. And when it hits people where they live, that's when they get upset. That's when they get upset. I, here's what I think is fascinating. I know we're about to wrap up. What I think is fascinating is that this was having such an impact that here is this business that is saying something has changed. Something has changed, and it has changed significantly. It's, it's not just a little dip. It's not just, oh, hey, the numbers are a little off this year. It's, wow, something has happened, and our business is, is cratering. What a wonderful thing it might be if we were to get the gospel out more and more and more in America, and businesses were saying, I don't like this. These guys are teaching their what they're calling their gospel truth, and it's changing the way people live so that it's shutting down uh, abortion clinics. Not not because they're protesting it, not because they're out there protesting it and getting laws passed to shut it down, but because so many people are being impacted by the gospel that we're just not able to run this as a business anymore, or that the liquor stores would be closing down, or the casinos would be closing down. And I, I would love for them to be upset at us if we could get that message of pursuing Jesus and giving our allegiance to Him enough. We'd love to hear from you. Email us text talk at ChristiansmeetHere.org. Jackson, I feel like you wanted to say one more thing. Go ahead and say that and then wrap us up with a prayer.
1: All right. As we wrap up, I just want to point out here that up until we were preparing for this podcast, I wasn't even familiar with Artemis of the... Ephesians, And so that goes to show the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here we are 2,000 years later, and most of us don't even know who this crazy matron deatrice Diet- woman was. We don't even know who that is. And that's because the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to change lives and turn the world upside down. And what a powerful thought that you just had a few moments ago about shutting down abortion clinics and things like that. That is just such a powerful thought of what the gospel can can do when it is used. When it's
0: changing lives. Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely. Wrap
0: yeah. us up in prayer. Let's pray.
1: Father God, Lord, we are so thankful to you for another opportunity to study a lesson from the book of Acts today, Lord. We thank you so much for Paul's example, and we thank you so much for the, the apostle and the disciples of Christ and their example and their um, perseverance to continue preaching and teaching and suffering persecution. Father, we know that there are many smoke screens and red herrings that go on uh, in the face of our persecutions that we experience as Christians. We pray that you would help us to undergo these trials and strengthen our faith day by day. And we pray that others would come to know your love that comes through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. This is our prayer in his name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for talking about the text with us today.